Hello and welcome back to the show. Today we have Jodie Cohen, who is going to share her amazing story of how she overcame incredible levels of grief and trauma through a very particular activation of the vagus nerve. It's really fascinating and we love getting behind people like this who have come through so much in life and are able to, you know, stand tall and teach others how they came through. So, strap yourself in. It's a great interview. It's a tearjerker. Let's dive right in. Jodie Cohen, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We're so excited to jump into the topic of the vagus nerve and all the weird and wonderful ways it impacts our health and well-being. Thanks for joining us. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. It's my favorite topic. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I am so curious to know how you got into the research of the vagus nerve. Obviously, not many people have heard about this thing, even for us uh, health nerds and gut health nerds, where I feel like we're only just scratching the surface of this interesting topic. So how did you get into it? What fascinates you about the vagus nerve? You know, I think so many of us, especially those who've had our own healing journey, sometimes we do things right. And then we reverse engineer, oh my God, what did I do right? How did, how did I have like a great day and no, you know, pain and no fatigue? Um, and I think the journey, you know, I, I don't think God gives you more than you can handle at the time. So my journey kind of unfolded in three parts. The first part was um, I, I had two children. One one passed away, which we will talk about. But um, my daughter was really easy and I thought I was this great mom. So I had another one, you know, 20 months later who was not easy. And I spent all this time trying to control him and, you know, parent him. And then one day someone noticed that his personality changed after he ate something. So we took him to a nutritionist who changed his diet and his whole personality changed. He went from being that nonstop kid with no impulse control to somebody who could sit still and be calm. And I thought, that's fascinating. You know, I have spent all of this energy trying to discipline and parent him, and it turns out it was his food. So I went back and studied nutritional therapy and was trying to help other, you know, moms who had those squirmy kids. You know, and squirmy kids are hard to assess because they're moving and wiggling. So I learned this technique called muscle testing that allows you to really quickly ascertain if a remedy is going to help or not. And this came in handy when my second little, you know, um, crisis in life happened. My then husband uh, needed to be hospitalized for very severe depression. And once he was safe and I knew he was okay, my adrenals collapsed. I had been, you know, every day was the kids were five and seven. He was a hot mess. And I just, I was giving everything to kind of keep, you know, the plates in the air. And um, once I I got to have time to collapse, I did, which really wasn't super helpful because I had a job, I had kids, you know, the meals still needed to be prepared, the laundry still needed to be done, the house needed to be clean. And all of the remedies, you know, I knew enough to know what remedies were supposed to help my adrenals, but nothing was really helping me. And it turns out it was because my digestion was so compromised that all of the remedies that I were in, was ingesting weren't really getting to where they needed to go. And I, um, I was the Uber volunteer, the Uber overachiever, and I had helped a friend with a big event before, you know, everything fell apart. And so she brought over a big box of essential oils as a thank you gift and said, these are going to help you. And I said, great. And, you know, she'd been to me and she's like, you know what? you know how to do this. I'm not even going to tell you. So I knew it was my adrenal glands. And I'm like, well, well, anything in this box helped my glands. And, and I tested it and I got a really strong le- yes, which made me really 
happy because nothing was working. So I tried to narrow it down to one remedy, but I kept getting the same five, which confused me until it occurred to me, oh, I can combine them. So, you know, I didn't know any better. I got a shot glass from my kitchen and tested how many drops of each oil, put them together, applied them on my adrenals, on my low back, and felt like myself for the first time in a month. And I got more done that day than I had in a month. And I thought, gosh, I wonder what I did right. And then I started researching, um, you know, other things that I could do. I've been practicing and I knew that the vagus nerve is kind of the main connection point between the gut and the brain and all the other organs. And I knew that when you're in chronic stress, it kind of, um, you might think of it like a car. It's got different gears, you know. It's got kind of the, you're in danger, all resources must be allocated to keep you alive. We're going to just put the gas pedal on and, you know, make sure that the blood goes to the arms and the limbs so that you can run really fast and escape and away from the organs of digestion. And then there is the break, the, okay, the danger has passed. You are safe. You can now digest your food. You can now detoxify. All these things can get turned on. But what happens, we have all these kind of vicious loops in our body. And I got stuck in that sympathetic state. It's known as sympathetic dominant. And sometimes we think, you know, it's kind of an overachieving state where you're go, 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 and you really feel productive. But I knew um, I, I had been going to acupuncture and they kept doing that acupuncture point, you know, right behind the ear to stimulate the vagus nerve. And I, I'd be good when I was there. And then literally I'd walk out the door and it was <laughs> Like I was starting over. And um, it occurred to me that I could use essential oils. You know, I knew that oils could be used for acupuncture. So I was playing with different ones. And um, when I kind of hit the right note, I, I put it on the vagus nerve and I could just feel my digestion turn on. It was really um, pretty powerful. You know, when you kind of start shifting your diet or taking the right remedy and it starts to work and you're like, okay, wow, you know, I, I'm feeling better. And so um, that was really what started it. And then when I did feel better, I started sharing the remedies with my friends and they loved them. And they kept saying, oh, you should do something with this. And I thought, well, someone must be doing it. It's so obvious. So I went online to research and I was really surprised by two things. The first was that no one was really looking at essential oils through the lens of physiology, you know, and balancing organ systems and regions of the brain. And then the second thing was that they made it seem so complicated that I was almost grateful that I just didn't have the mental bandwidth to start with research. So that's really how it started. Oh, I'd love to know, and I'm sure people listening would love to know, what was in that remedy that you were sharing around with your friends? Well, the remedy for um, the vagus nerve, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's clove and lime. Clove is super stimulatory and lime has really small molecules. So it makes sure, you know, like things permeate into your skin and your bloodstream really quickly. But the smaller the molecule, the faster it gets in. And so that actually we still use today. And it's interesting because at first I thought like, oh, you want to turn on the parasympathetic state. You need you know, oils that sedate like chamomile and lavender. And it wasn't quite working. And then I read, this was around 2012, and there's this um, New York neurosurgeon, Kevin Tracy, who was doing experiments with vagus nerve stimulation. He was basically inserting a pacemaker-like electrical device in the neck and stimulating it. And that has been approved by the FDA in the US for epilepsy and depression. And I thought, huh, stimulating. I wonder if I should try stimulatory oils. You know, and clove is so well known for like 
being good for dental work and the mouth and it's great for inflammation. So I figured why not? And once I, I kind of nailed that, it, it's funny because it turns on your whole digestive cascades. So like people hear their stomach rumble. If constipation is an issue, it's like, you know, the coffee and cigarette, which actually also activates the vagus nerve. So it just, it was a really powerful, like, like flipping a switch or shifting a gear. So interesting. So let's uh, hone into the vagus nerve for a second. So what actually is it? Where is it? Uh, and I know that there's a gut brain connection there. So what, what is happening there? What is the vagus nerve? Yeah, the vagus nerve is actually your longest nerve. It's cranial nerve number 10. It starts, it actually connects the brain with the rest of the body. So it starts at the back of the head, divides, runs around both sides, kind of right behind the earlobe, actually innervates your face, your larynx, your heart, your lungs, and every organ of digestion. And that's actually where digestion starts. It's your vagus nerve that kind of signals your mouth to release the saliva to start to break down the food. Then it tells the stomach to release hydrochloric acid to further kind of break down proteins. Like one of the big challenges with digestion is if you don't have enough stomach acid, your proteins don't get broken down enough. And then they're suddenly flagging the immune system. The immune system's reacting to these proteins. You're getting food intolerances, food allergies, leaky gut, all of these things that kind of start all the problems. So the root of the problem is really making sure that your vagus nerve is releasing these signals so that digestion turns on. You know, it tells the gallbladder to release bile, the pancreas to release enzymes. It's responsible for the motility wave, the housekeeping wave that carries the food, you know, through all of the um, intestines so that they don't sit too long and start to ferment or rancidify and cause SIBO or IBS. You know, if the motility wave isn't working, that contributes to constipation. So it's just, it's kind of the whole communication pathway from the brain down to the gut, but then it's also the gut signaling back to the brain. Like, you know, 80% of our immune system lives in the gut. And that's because that's kind of the dumping ground for everything that comes in your system. Like your nose, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, they all drain into the gut and the immune system's waiting. And it's almost like a surveillance team. Like, is this okay? Is this not okay? And if there's something concerning, then it sends the signal back up to the brain. Like, hey, you know, now, so we've got a problem, <laughs> send out the immune system to help us fix this. So you really want to make sure that it, you know, think of it as an information highway. It's the brain sending signals through the digestive system to the gut and the gut sending signals back up to the brain so that the brain gets the right information to make the best decision. Do you think that people, it's common for people to have vagal nerve issues? Yeah, I think it's incredibly common. And I think it's because of that. So the vagus nerve is kind of the toggle switch, the on-off switch between the sympathetic fight or flight state and the parasympathetic rest and digest state. It kind of shifts gears. And I think that so many people are stuck in that danger response state, not only because it's not like, you know, there are saber-toothed tigers on the street that are chasing us all. It's more of that anticipatory stress, you know, the concern that something could happen, which releases the same cascade of hormones and chemicals in the body as actual physical stress. And so many of us are kind of stuck in that gear. You know, we're worried about the state of the world or our relationship or our child or our job or our finances, and we just can't shut it off. So we're constantly anticipating some stress that may or may not occur. And our body never gets to kind of downshift into that state where we can actually heal. 
And so what do you think is the long-term result of the vagus nerve not functioning properly? I think we're seeing it in the world today. I mean, anxiety, there are like 40 million Americans that have anxiety, 20 million that have depression. I think antidepressants have tripled in the past 10 years. It's it's just, you know, I think every chronic health condition can be traced down to poor vagal tone, to the fact that your vagus nerve is spending too much time in that sympathetic space and not enough in the parasympathetic state. And uh, I know you, Jody, have had your own experience with autoimmune disease, and um, you've mentioned that that you you see a connection there. So, what what is that connection to vagus nerve and autoimmune disease, and what has that been in your experience? So it's interesting with the immune system because it can either overfunction, right, and kind of be attacking everything, including your own cells, or it can underfunction, and then all these chronic infections kind of build up under the surface and you seem fine until you're not. So I think with with my case, you know, a lot of autoimmunity can be correlated to um, stress, gut health, and detoxification. And the vagus nerve plays a really big role in all three of those. And we talked about stress and how it kind of keeps, it's almost like the tap is constantly running for those stress hormones like cortisol that can be really corrosive. And what's interesting about cortisol is it kind of contains inflammation early on. You know, if you're trying to um, run from a predator and you sprain your ankle and it swells up, that's, you're going to die. It doesn't really, you know, keep you healthy. So in the short term, it anti-inflames, but over time, your body gets less and less resistant to the cortisol. And so inflammation runs rampant, which is huge in autoimmunity. Um, It also kind of turns off your ability to detoxify. You know, if all the blood that should be routed to the liver and the gallbladder and the gut, you know, for elimination, if you're constipated and toxins aren't leaving your body, but getting recycled, then those toxins require, it's it's a little bit like Sisyphus, you know, you have to keep pushing the same rock up the same hill and you think you're finally there and then, oh gosh, the toxins don't leave. So it recycles. So, um, and, and then gut health, we talked about the gut brain signaling. So I think not having the vagus nerve in kind of that low gear, that parasympathetic gear, that sets the stage for all of those systems to not be kind of functioning in a healthy place. And that's when autoimmunity sets in. Interesting. So interesting. So you've had this experience where you're able to stimulate your vagus nerve. Um, going through any other trauma and you're like, you know, how do you deal with stress now? What is it like having a vagus nerve that is stimulated and activated? You know, it's really interesting because I, I mean, I can see it happening. Like I'll give you an example, kind of the turning point. So my, um, my son was killed in a car accident, August 27th, 2018. And I thought that was the worst thing that would ever happen to me. And then it got worse because he was not the only child in the car. There were three boys in the car. Only one is still alive. And each time a child died, it just broke, it broke my heart. And there was one that I was really rooting for. Like I really thought, he was going to make it. And when it turned, it was, it was devastating. And then my dad got sick and, um, and then there were these lawsuits and lawyers have this interesting, uh, technique where they really like paralyze you with fear and then ask you to make a decision. You know, it really feels like your back is against the wall. And, um, it was, my dad was in hospice. And so I was sitting with him in the hospital and the attorney called and was like, I need to know right away and was yelling at me. And, I just, I, I shut down. I couldn't help it. I was like, oh my God, I can't, I cannot make this decision now. So I, you know, kissed my dad goodbye, uh, went home, walked my dog 
and just really walked. Um, you know, you mentioned Se- Seattle was having one of its most beautiful days. So I walked for a long time and something about moving and being in nature. And I brought my oils with me. I was like, I just, I can't make a good decision now. Like I can't even breathe. I don't feel safe. So by the time I came back from the walk, I realized like, okay, uh, they were trying to really position this as black and white, but it, it's mo- many shades of gray and I have many options. And I just started like creatively thinking. And once I kind of was able to see different options, I felt so much better because I think part of the fear is when you feel like you have no choice and you're completely out of control. But once you realize you have choices, it just shifts the playing field. You know, there's that um, Holocaust survivor, Viktor Frankl, who said between the stimulus and the response, there is a pause. There are spaces, what I think he said, but I call that the pause. And I think that's what's missing, you know, in, in this very moment in time is that we're all taking in all this stimulus and it's just making us feel panicked. And we feel like we have no choices and no options. And I think activating the vagus nerve, I mean, really what's happening when you're in that fight or flight state, your pupils, the black part of your eyes get really big like saucers. And what that does is it lets in more light so that you can you know, see more clearly so you can make your escape plan. But it also shuts down the multitude of options, you know, because if you're in a life or death situation, contemplating your navel is probably not going to be your best choice. So it really limits what your potential is. And it kind of takes you out of the um, doesn't let you even access your you know, corpus callosum and your upper levels of thinking. And so if you can, you know, think of biking up a hill, if you bike in with high gear, it's going to be harder. If you can downshift into the parasympathetic state and suddenly it's like, oh, wait, I have all these choices. Even if you don't take any of them, just knowing that you have options, it's a very different perspective to kind of view the world and move forward. And so I think kind of accidentally doing that right and realizing like, okay, I have zero control you know, certain businesses are closed, certain functions, you know, are shut down. Like there are all these things that are outside of my control that I really can't execute, but I have complete control over how I choose to see the world, how I navigate, how I look at things. And that feels very empowering. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm, it's, it's such a, at least you had this experience before you had like a a way, you, you knew a way out through something that was so tragic. And so thank you so much for sharing that. I know that's going to help a lot of people. I hope so, because I, I think that that, I mean, it just, it makes me so sad, so sad there, you know, there is a lot that we, we don't know the answers to, we can't control, but you always get to control how you feel in any given moment, you know, and that's very powerful. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. So, so someone maybe has listened to that part of your story and they just feel like they're constantly trapped in that state. Um, If you were to sit down with that person um, and take them through a step-by-step process, where would you start and what are some of the the most effective things that they can immediately do? Because I think when people are in that state, they're not thinking rationally. It's hard for them to, you know, make a decision. yeah. Yeah. I mean, the easiest is breathing. So what's interesting is the easiest way to activate your vagus nerve it, that innervates all of these different organs is to activate the organs. So it's called box breathing and it's such a simple technique. You can do it right now with me. And what you do is you breathe in for the count of four. You hold it for the count of four. And then you breathe out for the count of eight. 
And the exhale, making the exhale longer than the inhale is the trick. And just even doing that like two or three times, it just shifts your nervous system. The breath, you always have your breath. That is the most accessible tool. You don't need anything else. You can use your tongue and pretend it's a paintbrush and paint the top of your mouth. That activates your vagus nerve. If you have something you like to smell, um, this is interesting. Our, our friend Titus Chu shared this with me. So you have two hemispheres in your brain and they, they serve different functions. And what he does is he finds a way to balance the different hemispheres. And he uses oils a lot because the frontal lobe is actually kind of your um, executive function decision maker. And your nose, your olfactory channel goes directly to the olfactory, um, or sorry, to the prefrontal cortex. So you can smell things through different sides of your nose to kind of activate that forehead part of your brain. So what he taught me is that when you're having kind of a panic attack or anxiety, that is your right frontal lobe overactivating. So what you want to do is stimulate the left frontal lobe so that the brain returns to balance and you feel less anxious. And the easiest way to do that is to smell anything through your left nostril. So you can like dry breathing, you can plug your right nostril, you can just smell it, but just holding something under your nose and inhaling like three to five times will stimulate the left part of the brain, balance out the right, and you'll feel better really quickly. Excellent. Awesome. I love that. So practical and simple. And I think that's obviously the key when someone's in, in that state, they, you need something simple. So I love that. And what better and than it's just really good. something yeah. really yummy um, when you're in that state. So um, just to clarify, so if you're trying to stimulate, uh, was it the left side that you need to stimulate? Well, it, it, what's interesting is that usually the right side of the brain controls the left side of the body, but with the yeah. nose, it, it's the same side. The so same you're just side, that's what I wanted to check. Yep, yeah, through their right. left nostril. And okay. it's good, especially if, if you have a child that's having a temper tantrum. That's great for them. Kids seem to love orange. You can even, you know, citrus oil lives in the peel of them. You can peel a tangerine and just let them smell the tangerine. Beautiful. Love it. Awesome. Yeah, I, th I think obviously within our community, we do a lot of these meditative techniques. And it's just so cool even just to learn more about how that's impacting the vagus nerve when you're doing that. Because mm -hmm. there's some really cool studies on just simple breathing and how it immediately changes and starts to impact your microbiome. And so I think such a powerful tool set you've just given us there for someone that's facing any form of trauma. So after they've done this and they're like, okay, they're, they're, they're in that state now where they can think a little bit more rationally, they're feeling a bit calmer. Is there anything extra that you'd like to do um, to, you know, enhance it or to um, deepen that state at all? I love gratitude. I love going to gratitude. I think that that's the fastest way because we talked about anticipatory stress, but there's also anticipatory joy, you know, and the more you can really cement it in and it, it can be anything. My dad used to say, um, you know, you need someone to love something to do and something to look forward to. So that's where I try to anchor it. Like, you know, who do I love? And I just keep listing it out because, you know, there's so many people. Um, what do I love to do? You know, it, it could be as simple as like moving your body, you know, and what am I looking forward to? Because then that gives you kind of hope and excitement. Love it. And so is there anything that happens when the vagus nerve is overstimulated? Is it possible to like over yeah. overdo any of this? Yeah, that's when you kind of um, have the racing heartbeat and you feel dizzy and you faint. But what's interesting is the measure of the vagus nerve health is what's called vagal tone. And what it really is looking at is the recovery rate. 
like how, you know, um, I, I used to be a runner. So you'd sprint, you know, and then you'd have some time to recover and then you'd sprint again. And they're tracking how quickly do you recover? How quickly do you kind of toggle between the two speeds? And so, yes, you can have kind of overactive um, bagel. I can't think of the name of it right now. I'll think of it. But anything you can do to kind of, I mean, it's like a muscle that you're really trying to train. So the more you help to tone it and activate it and stimulate it, the stronger it will be and the more resilience you'll have. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. So is there- That's what it's called. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. I was just thinking, um, so- is there any other um, essential oil that perhaps people are not as aware that can help them either stimulate the vagus nerve or help with anxiety for having a panic attack? Yeah, you know, they always talk about um, the citrus oils as being the good ones, like bergamot and neroli are kind of known for being fantastic. But any citrus oil, like I, I actually really love lime. Oh, and here's a fun fact, especially since you're in Australia where it's sunny. Everyone's worried that citrus oils are, um, you know, basically if you get them in the sun, they, they can cause damage. It's only the pressed citrus oil. If it's distilled, meaning that they use the steam to evaporate it, it doesn't cause that kind of damage. So it's safer. Uh, my favorite oil of all time is one called Blue Tansy. I think it's great for the brain. It's really great for um, any kind of inflammation, ex- especially like if you're exposed to mold or mitotoxins. And it also seems to be really good at kind of helping you um, forgive and release things like let go, you know, which I think is something that we're all working through right now. Beautiful. So for those of us who are listening and aren't fully convinced about the efficacy of essential oils, what would you like to share with um, that segment of our audience uh, that are yet to be introduced and yet to fully believe that they can work? You know, it's really funny. I mean, in the States, over 50% of the pharmaceutical drugs are derived from plants. You know, they're either synthetic copies or something taken from plants, like white willow bark is the basis for aspirin. Valium comes from valerian root and oils are really just the concentrated essence of plant. So we're already using plants in all of our drugs. We just, you know, they're just packaged differently. So when you get it concentrated, it just amplifies the intensity. Like, you know, for um, when I used to be in university and then we'd have finals, you know, I wouldn't sleep for a week and then I'd be done with my last final and I'd probably sleep for two days straight you know, just to kind of catch up. So oils allow you to kind of mega dose and help push the body back in balance. Nice. Thank you. And um, is there a guide to perhaps choosing the right oils? Because I know there's like some of them are extremely expensive and some for some people that's just like a step that they just, that's like, well, I can't afford this. Um, you know, where, where could someone start that's listening to this but doesn't want to go out and overspend potentially on an essential oil? Is there a certain guide that you can well, I, I have a book coming out in March that I hope Ooh. will be that guide. <laughs> it's called <laughs> Use the Brain and Heal the Body with Essential Oils. But I think, um, honestly, for someone who's new to this, I would start with orange. I think orange is fantastic. You know, maybe peppermint. Um, just start small and, and just start playing with them. Because what you'll notice is that sometimes they're they're very stimulatory. You know, peppermint is great for focusing if you're trying to kind of curb cravings you know, lose your COVID-15. Smelling peppermint really satiates um, your system so you don't feel as hungry. You know, that's the, those are just easy ones to start with. But honestly, 
I think, you know, a little bit like food cravings, right? Like they say we crave chocolate when we need magnesium, we crave meat when we need iron. Just go somewhere and smell and see what appeals to you. That's super cool. I remember like remembering when you were struggling in your health. Yeah. And the only way to calm yourself was like breathing over essential oils. Yeah. I was wrecked at that point in my life. This is before I learned about the gut and I was having panic attacks and I was just like desperately holding on to my essential oil <laughs> under my nose. I guess yeah. I um, intuited what you were talking about before and I my brain needed to calm down and that was like it was it's a centering thing I suppose as well as well as like stimulating whatever. I guess yeah. I didn't know about all that side of things but I could focus on something. I could just smell the smell and focus there and that that got me well, within a range of functional and some of them, like vetiver, has the deep roots. Frankincense is another one that can be really good, especially for the gut and, and also for the brain. It's really good for everyone. So, yeah, but, it, you know, it's funny. And it will shift, too. Like, as you start to heal from something, um, you know, like, I, I don't know why, but there there was a period in my life where, um, you know, like, certain foods, like, were really appealing. You know, like, when I, I stopped drinking all diet soda the first time I got pregnant, like, I couldn't even touch it. And I haven't added that back, but I think your body just kind of knows and something like frankincense might smell great to you. And then when you've kind of shifted and you're on to the next thing, it's not as appealing. I'm curious as to uh, whether you can share any stories of people that you've shared these techniques, particularly as it pertains to vagus nerve uh, anxiety and depression and um, uh, if you could, if anyone comes to mind, you could share their story over their recovery. Yeah, actually, this one really sweet girl, she had her wedding in like a farm field, a wheat field, and she suddenly had a crazy celiac attack. And it was horrible. Like she literally, she couldn't leave her home because she couldn't be that far from the bathroom, you know, and she'd just gotten married and her husband's like, you're going to get better, right? And nothing kind of like me, like her gut was so damaged that all of the nutrients that she was trying to assimilate, you know, through ingestion just weren't helping. And so activating her vagus nerve. And then we also have um, two that we use for the gut, one that's good for calming inflammation and one that kind of helps activate the uh, intestinal mucosa because the intestinal mucosa are like the the glue that kind of keep the, um, the probiotics in place. And basically, as you know, with the gut, it's all a balance of the microbiome. You want, want more of the kind of good microbiome to keep the bad microbiome in check. And ideally, you do that with lots of vegetables, which give you, you know, the flavonoids and the short chain fatty acids. But if you're struggling to digest, essential oils, you know, are derived from plants that also have flavonoids. So topically applying them, she was so thrilled. She's like, you saved my marriage. You know, I I think her husband probably would have stayed with her anyway. But, you know, just seeing people that are able to go from eating like two foods to being to add in more and more and just heal. That's really um, that makes everything worthwhile. So awesome. cool. Well, this has been such a great call and I think so practical for a lot of people. And uh, thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing your story. Yes, uh, you. It's such a, a powerful place um, that you've, um, of, that was of such pain that you're now using it to help others, which we just so celebrate admire. and admire. So thank you so much. So thank if they want know. to um, learn more about you and your book coming out, where, where is the best place to find resources that, um, that yeah. you've created? My, my website is vibrantblueoils.com and we can give you a link to put in the show notes with um, like a free toolkit for parasympathetic if they want to learn more. Awesome. And then we try to answer all emails within 24 hours. So info at Vibrant Blue Oils if they have a question. 
Oh, and Amazing. the book is Essential Oils to Boost the Brain and Heal the Body. Lovely. Oh, cool. And that's coming out in March, correct? March 16th, 2021. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Everyone mark that date in your calendar. I'm sure it will be um, a guide to this, the wonderful world of essential oils. Thank you so much, Jody, for joining us today. We've learned a lot and um, we've really been touched by you and uh, all of your insights today. Thank you so much. Thank you. 